difficult to preach, actually. Um, my heart is full. I am full of gratitude to God for his gifts. I'm, I'm full of gratitude um, to people in the church for all that God has done. I'm full of joy for what God has done, for what I believe God's doing in our midst, and I'm excited about what God's doing for us as a church going forward. I don't know about you, but I'm full of anticipation and expectation, really, for how God's going to use us and, and use this facility to, to bring lost people to know him and bring glory to his name. And I can't, see, I can't wait to see how the, the members of this church body will use their gifts and the gift of this facility to proclaim the good news about Jesus Christ, to make disciples, to build community, to, to worship God, to encourage one another, to build each other up, to instruct each other, to, to do all the one another's, to worship God in the spirit and in truth. And, and as I was thinking about this morning, there were a thousand things going through my head. A thousand things I was thinking about saying at the outset. And, and how do you begin a new chapter in a church's life? How do you begin a new season? Well, for our sake, I was just thinking, well, I, th- I think the, the most important place for us to begin is by thinking about the kingdom of Jesus Christ and how we as the church and how this building, how it relates to the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We want Jesus and his kingdom to be first and foremost. We don't want this building to be about us or about building our kingdom or a name for ourselves. We want to use this facility and this moment in our church's history to be all about Jesus Christ in building his kingdom. Amen? Well, let's read God's word together as we start in John 18, 36, very short, and then we'll pray and we'll go from there. And we're not going to have a typical message, but I did want to kind of lead us through what does it look like to, to start off in this new facility. So in John 18, 36, Jesus is here actually answering Pilate, and Pilate is asking him if he's a king. And Jesus answers, he says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. And we'll stop and pray there. Father, we come to you and we thank you that your kingdom is not of this world. We thank you that our hope is not in this world and this kingdom and this nation, God. We thank you that our hope is in you and your everlasting kingdom, a kingdom that cannot be shaken, that will never be shaken, that will last eternally. Thank you, Jesus, that you came to inaugurate your kingdom, to bring in your kingdom, to to preach the good news, to deliver us who were once captives to this world's kingdom. And God, and to bring us into your glorious light. God, I pray that we would be all about declaring you, declaring your kingdom and living for you and using all the gifts you've given for your praise and your honor. In your name we pray, amen. Well, imagine a world where everybody believed that they were a king and queen. Imagine a world where everyone strove to have their own domain or their own control or their own rule, and imagine that every king or queen, which would be everybody in this world, is, is living for their own kingdom. Everybody is seeking their own castle, their own lands, their own control, and their own way, and 
Nobody was really content to share with each other. Imagine the kingdom where everybody's seeking to expand their own kingdom and to live for their kingdom above all others. And imagine, because nobody's kingdom is self-supporting, they have to interact with other kingdoms, but um, they have a hard time doing that. And they only do that when it's mutually beneficial to them. And then when things go wrong, there's the threat of war. And there's strife. And the alliances that are made eventually break down. They're fragile. They depend on everybody keeping their side of the agreement. Inevitably, people put their kingdoms first and fail to keep their agreements. And as you can imagine, a world like that where everybody's living for their own kingdom, it would be chaotic. It would be troublesome. It would be dark. It would be hopeless eventually. I don't think we have to imagine that really, do we? You see, in in the world that we live in, everyone apart from Jesus Christ, everyone is living for their own kingdom. Everybody's living for their own rule. Everybody's living for their own reign. If you think all the way back to Adam and Eve, essentially it was about them wanting their own kingdom, them wanting to be God or be like God or be as great as God. Man wanted his own kingdom, his own rule, his own domain. And ever since then, mankind has been been locked into that dark, separate place, separate place from God, separated by the kingdom of darkness, deceived and ruled really by the devil. And you know, all around us, the, the suburbs of Greenville where we live, including the suburb that this building is kind of centrally located in, it's filled with people living for their own kingdom, living in darkness, living in futility, and they don't even know it. Everybody around is driving their SUVs and going to the grocery store and going to work and going home to their nice little yards and their nice little houses and they're in their own kingdom of darkness. But the good news that that we have, that we want to be preaching is that God sent his only son, Jesus, to to come and, and preach the good news of the kingdom of God, the good news about Jesus Christ and in Mark 1.15, we read that Jesus first began to preach the gospel. The very first message he had after he was tempted in the wilderness and he began to preach, the first message he preached was in Mark 1.15, he says, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And this, this good news that Jesus came to proclaim was that he came to establish his kingdom and bring people into his kingdom through their repenting and believing in him by faith. And the Apostle Paul tells us in, in Colossians 1.13 that for all who place their faith in Jesus Christ, it says in Colossians 1.13, God has delivered us. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That's really what we're singing about this morning. As I was singing, I was just reflecting on the fact that what I need most is his continual mercy and forgiveness. And because he has delivered me out of the kingdom of darkness and brought me into the kingdom of light, I now have his forgiveness. I now have his redemption. So God sent his son that we might repent and believe, might be delivered from the domain of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of his son. And and the first thing that we need to, to think about as we are starting off this kind of inaugural period in our church is that 
he, we've been delivered into his kingdom. We've been delivered into his kingdom. He's given us a commission to proclaim his kingdom. And in Matthew 6, Jesus commanded us, he said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. That's what we want to be all about. We want to be about his kingdom more than about building our name and our kingdom and our reputation. We want to be about building his reputation and his name and his kingdom. Instead of seeking our own way, we want to seek his way, his rule, his reign. And so as we're moving into this building, I I want us to use this building not to seek our kingdom, not to seek Redeeming Grace Church's kingdom, but to seek first his kingdom and all these other things will be added unto us. And, and I was thinking, what does, that, what does that mean for our church? What does it mean for our church to be delivered into his kingdom? It means that, that we're living aware of the fact that we don't belong to this world's kingdom any longer. Are you living that way? Are you aware that you no longer belong to the kingdoms of this world? It means we don't live for ourselves, but we live to serve our king and his purposes. Ask yourself, am I, am I living that way? Am I aware that I belong to his kingdom? I'm living for his purposes means we don't seek out comfortable lives. That's very different from the world around us and the kingdoms around us that seek comfort. We don't live for establishing or growing our own domain. It means that because Jesus gave himself for us to rescue us, to, to bring us into his kingdom, we desire for others to be rescued and to seek their good and that they might be brought into God's kingdom. Is that your passion? Is that the heartbeat that drives you, that you might see others be brought into the kingdom of God? Well, another thing we need to remember is that this building is a means to proclaim God's kingdom. You see, we've been given this building as a gift, and I don't want us to be confused. This has not been given to us to kind of rest, to kind of say, okay, we can take it easy now as a church. We finally arrived. We've, we've kind of gotten to the, the goal. No, this isn't the goal. This is the beginning so that we can say, you know what? This is a, a wonderful place from which we can proclaim the kingdom of God. It's, it's a gift for the sake of his kingdom. So we might establish and we might have spread his kingdom in, through his church. In Matthew 16, Jesus was asking his disciples, he says, who do people say that I am? And his disciples answered and they said, you know, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And then Jesus turns to his disciples and says, but, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter, he replies, he says, you are the Christ. The chosen one of God. He says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What is the good news What is the rock that Jesus was talking about? He was using a play on words here. He was was talking about the rock of Peter's declaration of who Jesus is. On this rock, Peter, on the rock of your declaration that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, I'll build my church on that rock. Church, that is the rock that we're built on. That Jesus is the Christ, the chosen one, the son of the living God. And he has come to bring his kingdom to all of us. 
I was thinking how easy it is for us to trust in other things or to subtly seek to proclaim things other than Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. If there's one central message that that I want our church to be founded on, that I want all of our ministry from here to to be based on, it's the message of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. We need to proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ and the church that he's building. You know, when we, when we bought this church building, this, 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 this building a few weeks ago, I think it was six weeks ago by now, it needed some work, didn't it? Um, it, it was a little rough around the edges. Um, where you see paint everywhere, there was marred drywall and there were problems and cracks. There was irrigation, there was flooding leaks, there was mold, there was um, all kinds of little problems. It smelled funny. Um, there, were, there was lots of things that needed to be addressed and fixed. And, and it looked a little dated. It looked a little worn. The floors were sticky. You couldn't walk in the kitchen without your feet getting stuck. Um, even after you mopped them, they stayed like that. There were all kinds of electrical and light problems. Some of the toilets weren't working. The sinks were in need of repair. Um, the, the, there's a baptismal back there, by the way. I'm looking forward to baptizing people in that. But um, that wasn't working, and the, the pump was capped and just set aside. And there's just tons of little things that it, it needed help with. And there, you know, the, the flower beds, everything just needed help. And it wasn't a suitable area for nursing moms. The building was pretty dirty overall. Um, we found out last week that the kids' rooms were so dirty before that apparently a few of the kids came and were playing there, and they went home, and they had like black hands, black knees, and black feet. So don't, don't worry, we had, a, we had the carpets cleaned. Um, the, the amazing thing is that all of you, the church... All of you, the church, pulled together and cleaned and repaired and painted and mulched and organized and decorated to make it a suitable and welcoming home for our church to gather in. And now, in a second, I'm going to ask everyone who's involved in some way to stand. I know you're not going to want to do that. You're not going to listen to me, but I'm going to ask you to do that anyway. Um, I want you to stand because I want to take a moment to acknowledge everybody who served. And so... Um, if you served in any of these ways I mentioned, I, as I do, please stand up. If you cleaned in any way, stand up. All right, I'm just going to call you out by name, all right? There we go. If you cleaned, if you organized, if you painted, if you spackled, if you built walls or doors, if you fixed toilets or sinks or vacuumed or fixed mold problems or drywalled or helped plan Grace Kids or maybe you served in the open house last night, if you set things up, if you decorated, if you looked into electrical work, if you um, looked into the lighting, if you helped with the setup of the sound, if you fixed the HVAC, the plumbing, Maybe you waxed floors, you spread mulch, you fixed irrigation issues, planted flowers, trimmed bushes, put up pictures, made the beautiful scripture canvases that I saw around here. Maybe you glued down carpet squares in the multi-purpose room. Maybe you gave financially to the church. Maybe you prayed for the church or served in any other way. If you did serve in any way, I want you to stand up. And by the way, I see a lot of people sitting down that I know you did. I know you served. <laughs> You're lying. The reason I want you to stand is I want us all to give thanks to God for the efforts of everybody in helping make this building a great base of operations for a church. And so let's just take a moment and and together thank God, people who are standing as well. So let's just thank God for, for what he's done. It's okay. You can clap in the middle of the sermon. It's okay to clap. We're thanking God. We're not thanking individuals. 
You can sit down now. I know you're embarrassed. Um, the reason I want to acknowledge everybody is to not draw attention to ourselves or praise, praise individuals. Um, we are grateful for each and every person here who served. But more importantly, what I wanted you to see is that all of the serving and all of the help and all the people involved, it reveals some things. Um, you, you know what it reveals? Um, all of you serving, that, that was the majority of our church is serving in some way. That's, that's the sign of a healthy church. That's the sign of a healthy church. It's full of people who are willing to give themselves and serve each other for the common good. That's, that's why I want everybody to stand. What a wonderful testimony to God that he has worked in all of our lives in such a way that we're not living for ourselves and we're not living for our own domain and our own kingdoms, but he's transformed us. He's delivered us so that we're now living to serve him and his purposes. That's a testimony of God's grace. Impressive thing is everyone was working not for recognition, but working really for the common goal of, when I think about it, really just making much of Jesus. That's what we're all about. Um, we're God's people, but no matter how much work we've done, the, the, the building is not the church. We're the church. I'm not excited about the building because somehow we have a church now. No, we've had a church, but boy, how exciting that as a church we have a base of operations that we can we can even more faithfully carry out the mission and vision of the church. You know, the building's a gift given to all of us by God, and it's a gift we're grateful for. You know, have you ever gotten a gift from somebody that it was something you really needed, and you, maybe, maybe you, you, were, you were short on cash, and somebody gave you something at the last minute or provided groceries or money, or maybe um, something you, you had wanted, or maybe something they sacrificed for, and it endeared you to them. You know, I remember the day when I was a, a kid and, and I, I never asked for, for a lot of presents and things like that. We didn't have much money as a kid. And so we, we were just grateful as kids. And um, my parents surprised me. It was in the 1980-something. And they surprised me with a BMX bicycle. And I knew that it meant a lot. I mean, it was like 100, $100 or something like that. And back then, that was a huge amount for my family. And I just remember being more affected, not by how cool the gift was and that I loved having a BMX bike, but... I was just affected. I knew what sacrifice that meant for my parents and that they were going to give me a gift like that and I was blown away. And, you know, today, uh, I'm still grateful because it was a sign of their sacrifice and their affection for me. Giving me a gift that, that I, I wouldn't dare ask for, but a gift that would really bless me. And it was just a sign of their love and their affection for me. And it, and it made me really grateful to them. And I thought, wow, I, I know that my parents... They're aware of what my desires are before I even ask them for it. You know, God is aware of, of everything that we need and, and every gift that he gives to us at just the right time. Um, it's given to us for us, but also for his kingdom. The building we have is a gift from God given to us, really just the right time. And we've been asking for a building, but God God's given us much, and we're grateful to him for it. But like all gifts, it's, it's not meant for us to draw attention to the gift itself, but to the giver of the gift, to God, who's the gracious and generous giver of the gifts. 
And because it's a gift from God, we're meant to steward it wisely and use it for the proclamation and spread of his kingdom. And we want to take care of the gift we've been given and use it for as long as it lasts. And, 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 and really, the reason why I was worshiping this morning, and I, I know so many of you worshiping, is because it's just a sign of God is gracious and generous to us. You know, if you travel to other places in the world, they don't have buildings or the buildings they do have are pretty, pretty dilapidated, but they gather together and yet the God would be generous to us and kind to us. We want to use this for his kingdom. So the building, it's a, it's a gift for building up the church as well. You know, I was thinking, um, I bought a lot of tools when we were building my house. How many people here have tools? You can raise your hand. How many people have tools of some kind? All right, most people have tools. You know, my, my wife and I bought a foreclosure a few years ago, and it was just a shell, essentially. There was, there was nothing on the inside. It was the outside was finished, but the inside wasn't done. And so I went on a, on a spree and bought lots and lots of tools. And I bought like a chops, a radial arm chop saw and, and all kinds of things and a, a compressor and air guns and all kinds of tools. I, I, I needed those tools to finish my house because I didn't own them. It would have been difficult to borrow everything. It would have been hard to, to find everything I needed, and so I ended up buying a lot of tools to the job. And I, I bought those things and, you know, everything from hammers to saws to things I didn't know that I needed. But my goal wasn't getting the tools. My goal was to finish building a house that somebody else had started. I didn't buy the tools to put them on a shelf either. You know, what good are a bunch of tools unless you use them? Now my tools are already worn, and that's a good thing. Um, the tools that I have, they were... They're meant to be used to build something else. You know, I didn't buy the, the, the saws or, or the, the drill presses or those things to impress people, to grunt about how nice my saw is and go, oh, oh, oh yeah. yeah. Sorry, that's a bad reference from the 80s. It's, it's a show called Tool Time or something like that, Home Improvement, I don't know. Um, we, we don't get tools just to acquire tools. They're, they're meant to, to build something. They're meant to be used. Um, this church, this facility, this building, it's, it's not the goal. This building is just a tool. It's a big gray tool, but it's a tool. And I like the color gray, by the way. Um, they did a great job, by the way, all the decorating team choosing all the colors, and they were weird yellow before, so... Um, the, the facility, it's a tool, and we're, we're meant to use it for God to use us to build his church. There's a point to why we have this tool, this building. Um, and, and in fact, really, we're instruments in God's hands as well, instruments in the hands of, of the one who's delivered us and redeemed us. What I don't want us to do is to sit back and marvel at, boy, well, how cool it is that we have this nice tool you know, to, to grunt about how great the building is and, and how cool it is and what he's done there. And that's good. Let's be grateful to God that he's given us tools, but let's then use the tool he's given. I'm, I'm appreciative. I want us to be grateful. I want us to admire the handiwork. I want us to, to thank God for the people he's given. But this building is so that God can use us as he builds his church Founded on Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. As long as this building stands, let us be committed to using this building to make much of him. 
primarily we've acquired this tool to be used, put to use to work and spread his, the work of spreading his kingdom. This building so God can use us as he builds his church. And, and, and as we looked around at everybody standing up a few minutes ago, in, in the midst of the gift of the building, God is actually building up his body, the church. The true church is all the, all the, all the folks in this room, and, and God's using his various gifts to build up the body as each member does their part so that all members together are built up and the body grows in love. And that's what I've seen the past few weeks. It's, that's the cool effect of everybody serving together. It's that God's actually used that to build us all up, to help us all be less selfish, to, um, to serve his purposes. You know, Paul wrote in Ephesians 4.15, he says, We're to grow up in every way into him who's the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it's equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And I was thinking, okay, what are some ways we can use this tool, this resource that God's given us to, to build up the church? Well, we can continue to serve each other like you've already been doing. We continue to serve in areas like Grace Kids and ushering and parking and greeting and sound team and welcoming each other. And we can take classes like the, the tactics class. If you're not signed up for that yet, I'd encourage you to do that. Come, come next week. We can teach classes if you have gifts of teaching. Uh, we can learn more about God. We can seek to apply what we learn. We can, what are some other ways we can use the facility? Well, we can come prepared. We can come ready to learn. We can pray that God would use each of us to, God, would you have me give a word of encouragement? Or maybe there's some scripture you'd have me encourage somebody else here. Or Lord, maybe there's somebody I would pray for. How can I be a minister, an agent of your grace and use this facility to maybe come early and say, God, I want to prepare for people. I want to prepare for you. I want to prepare to worship you. Maybe we need to give thought to how we come to church what time we go to bed and how we get up and maybe how we read the Bible. We're not trying to be legalistic, but God's given us all various gifts and we're going to be good stewards of the various gifts he's given us. And so, you know, maybe we need to say, God, you know, would you show me in your word this morning something that would be a benefit and a help for somebody else? God, would, would, would I be able to exalt your name this morning? Would I be a means of your grace to somebody else here? You know, one of the ways that God can help us all grow is when we have to bear with one another. That's, that's a gift of a facility, by the way. There have already been good opportunities for, for me and for all of us to say, you know what, we have to bear with one another. That's a great thing that a facility does for us, right? It helps us bear with one another, endure one another. Um, it helps us put others before ourselves. It, it helps us say, you know what, we're going to prefer somebody else's preferences ahead of ours, you know, all of us might have some desires or opinions about how the building should or shouldn't be used and what we think it should or should not look like or how Grace Kids check-in should or shouldn't happen or all these other things. All of those things are a God-given gift to you and to me to help us grow to be more like Jesus. And I mean that. That's a gift. If, if the point of the Christian life is to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, then what a gift it is that, that we can have these opportunities to lay down our lives for each other through having a building, a facility. You know, some churches have, have had serious disagreements over the color of carpet. Um, thanks be to God, we've not had that. And you know what? What a wonderful testimony that we want to lay down our lives for each other. 
This building is an opportunity to give of our time and effort. Maybe you're, you're going to serve on a cleaning crew or set up or event team or give financially. As we do these things, as every member does their part in some way, maybe you need to be thinking creatively. God, you know what? What talents, what skills, what abilities have you given? And then this gift, this tool, the building, how would those two things meet up? Are there people that I can reach out to, maybe use the building as a way to do that? God, are there gifts you've given to me that I can, I can employ for the, for the good of your body? Let's, let's think that way creatively. I was telling our leaders last Sunday night, I'd love for us to think, if, if this was a brand new church, if this was our first Sunday as a, as a new church, if this was our first Sunday as a church plant, how would we think about people who come through these doors? How would we think about the community around us? How would we think about our time and how we use the tools and gifts he's given to us? How would we think about hospitality and practicing that gift? How would we think about all the various tools and gifts he's given to each and every one of us, not just this building, but the talents and skills and abilities you have? How would we think if this was a brand new church plant and you were all part of the the core planting team? And then I asked another question, and the second question was really, well, what's the difference now? Isn't his church, isn't, isn't the church always to be about the gospel of Jesus Christ and the mission of making disciples? Isn't that what a church plan, isn't what a church's mission is always about? Isn't that the question that should always be in our minds? What kingdom are we living for? How are we using his gifts and his tools and the things he's given? This building's an opportunity to give and carry out the vision that God has given us as well. God's given us this this building and all the various gifts he's given to us to carry out the vision that God has given us. You know, he's giving us a guiding vision for this church, and I want to remind us of it as we we start things off here. He's he's given us the vision to be... uh, a gospel-centered church, and gospel-centered not just in word, not just a buzz phrase, but to be all about the good news of Jesus Christ in our community, in, in the way we do community, in the way we live out community, in the way we live in the communities around us, but also in our worship as well. So I was thinking through, what does it look like to, to be living out a gospel-centered community in this, in this building with what God's given us? I was thinking, it looks like the gospel informing how we have community. Are we purposefully coming, thinking, you know what? I might show up early, so I get to spend extra time with God's people and build community together. That's so I get to know people and build relationships, so I can help care for them and we can grow together in Christ. Or maybe you know what? I plan we're all say, you know, what? we'll bring our lunch afterwards. We'll hang out together. Or you know what? After the meeting, we're all going to plan out to go to McDonald's right up the road here or wherever you like to go. Um, and and you know, how can we use? this location and this building and the gifts he's given to pursue community. Maybe, maybe you are part of waving people in on the parking crew and how you wave with the joy of Christ as people pull into the parking lot, that communicates the joy that Christ has given to you. You know, maybe we welcome brothers and sisters and guests alike into the building with the welcome that we have into God's presence through Jesus Christ. Maybe greet one another with, with the warmth and tenderness and kindness and friendliness that, that we're greeted with by God because we're a part of his family. Now, I love the word that Colleen shared this morning about, you know, we're excited for the gift that God has given. And, and he rejoices over the fact that, that we are in him. 
and that, that he, is, he has called us according to his purposes. And he greets us and he rejoices over us. May, may that show in how we re- greet others and with warmth and tenderness and kindness. You know, may we care for one another and sacrifice for each other as, as Jesus, Jesus has modeled care and sacrifice for us. This is not about duty. This is saying, you know what? Jesus, you've given your life for me. You've sacrificed so that I might be in you. How can I, how can I love you in return by caring for others and sacrificing? You know, may we encourage one another with the encouragement we receive through God's word. And that's ours now. And that, that we are now joint heirs with Christ Jesus. That we're sons and daughters of God. May we encourage one another because we've received Christ's encouragement. May we teach one another and admonish one another with the truth of God's word because he's opened up our blind eyes to see his truth and our deaf ears to hear him. You know, as, as Ephesians tells us, may we seek to be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another with, with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody to the Lord with our hearts, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another of reverence for Christ. I was thinking about gathering together and, and to grow in our relationships, everything from secret sister gatherings to, to youth to baby showers to all because we want to love each other as God and Christ has loved us. May we use the building of those ways to grow as a gospel-centered community. May we look for created opportunities to, to use the building to grow together, to strengthen our bond as brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and we come here, can we, can we use this as an opportunity to worship God in spirit and in truth? You know, we're committed to always singing gospel-centered lyrics who, whose, whose lyrics propel our hearts to deeper joy in Christ. I'd encourage you, let that joy come out as you come in. Would you prepare for Sunday morning and think about what you're singing and, and let that be expressed in, in, in your physical expressions but also in the volume of your voices. Those are all ways that we actually give evidence to what God has done in our hearts. When we come, let it be our goal to worship God and how we listen to his word proclaimed and, and where we sit and how we listen and if we're hanging out in the lobby just talking or if we're saying, you know what, no, we're gonna give due attention to God's word. That's why we put monitors out there so everybody can, can hear God's word and if they have to be out there, great, but let's do that and pay attention to God's word. For others, you know, you might find that the way that we honor God here in our new facility is to take notes. For other people, we might be really distracted by taking notes if you're of that personality, you know, my wife gets really distracted if she takes notes. I, I really like to take notes. Maybe, maybe there's ways that you can say, how, God, can we honor you and make this a fresh start and, and give honor to your word? For some, it, it might mean using the building in, in such a way that we say, you know what, God, um, we want to we seek to make this, this place a place of worship for you and all that we do in this community around us. And let's look for ways to connect up with the community you know, this, this building is, is not just given as a, a gift to carry out the vision that God's given us, but it's also meant to carry out the vision that God's given us. You know, whenever a naval officer, an enlisted person, they go through the grueling six months of training that is called BUDS. If anybody knows what BUDS is, it is the training course that allows somebody to become a Navy SEAL if they pass. And when a SEAL team member is given his training and issued his equipment at the end of the time, 
It's for a purpose. It's so that he can carry out the mission that the Navy has for him. As a church, the mission that we have is to be disciples of Jesus Christ and to grow as his disciples and to make disciples. All of all of the good things that have been poured into you, all of the equipping that God has given to you, um, all of the good deposits that God has already placed in each and every one of you, it's for a reason, for a purpose. This gift, this building, the equipment that we've been given, if you will, now that we've completed our training, the equipment that we've been outfitted with, it's for a purpose. You know, I was thinking, getting to this point has kind of been like buds at times. It's been difficult sometimes, you know? We've experienced some bumps and bruises along the way. Sometimes it have seemed difficult. Some of you have, have served and you've tired yourselves out at times because the work of being a disciple can be hard sometimes. And now that we've gotten to the stage in our church where we've been given the gift of a building, God hasn't given us this gift so that now we say, you know what, okay, we take it easy, we're gonna sit back. He's given this gift to say, you know what, I've equipped you for such a time as this. And I've given you a mission so that now you can be even more fruitful and and go and make disciples. You know, so in a sense, I was thinking, you know, we've we've graduated. We're no longer new recruits. We're soldiers now. We want to use what we've been given to get the real exciting work of disciple making. And I was thinking, what what does it look like? What does it look like now to to be in this stage. Well, what I want it to look like is being deliberately focused on our neighborhoods around us. Being deliberately focused in, in our businesses so that we can build relationships with unbelievers and, and like Jesus did and care for and love people and share the good news about Jesus with the people around us. It means always being aware of your new identity in Christ Jesus. That, that you are now a disciple. That that defines you. For some, I might be thinking about, okay, where am I living right now? Is that strategic for God's purposes in his kingdom? I mean, where am I living? I, some of you, God might be calling you to move. He might be calling you to move close to the church. Other people, he might be saying, you know what, where you're at, start moving out into your neighborhoods, wherever God's placed you, so that we can collectively have a greater impact on a specific area that God's called you to. You know, I, I know that this mission to the suburbs has somebody asked me, well, why why a church building there? Why a church building in the suburbs? Why not downtown Greenville, well, where it seems the need is greater? Why a church in the suburbs? You know, a mission to the suburbs, it doesn't sound exciting to some. It sounds kind of milquetoast or boring, but this is the great mission field that he's called our church to. I was reading an article this past week by a lady named Jen Wilkin. She's also written a book called Women of the Word. By the way, if you're, um, I, I really encourage you to pick that up and, and, and read it. It's a wonderfully encouraging book about how to be grounded in God's Word. But she, she was writing an article, and she was talking about the suburbs. And she said something that really hit home for me, and I hope it hits home for you as well. She said, there is a people group whose language you may not want to learn, whose customs you may find distasteful, whose dress may offend, and whose values may disappoint. They are worshipers of idols. They raise their children in poverty. Many Christians consider this people group either unreachable or beyond their sphere of their calling. 
because their customs are as familiar as our childhoods. Their dress as unremarkable as the sail rack at Old Navy. I like that line. (laughs) Their values as fragile as their credit ratings. Their idols are money, possessions, and leisure. They're living for another kingdom. Their children starve not for food, but for relationship. And their faces, their faces look a little too much like our own. Behold suburbia, she writes, the mission field for whom our hearts do not break. We hold them in contempt as those who have heard and spurned the gospel. Their failing marriages, rebellious children, and quiet addictions stir us in weariness and wariness. I know I can relate. This is their own doing. This is the fruit of their commonplace lives of capitulation and mediocrity. Suffering and loss may visit them, but they still drive to hospitals and grave sites and late model SUVs. Why should we pour out our lives on the rocky soil of suburban America when, for the price of a plane ticket, we can till the fertile fields of Africa, Asia, and South America? And by the way, we're not down on that. But who are we to say that one soil is more fertile than another? Perhaps this field is yours, and I would say this field is ours. To till simply because you find yourself already in it. No plane ticket required, no bold geographical leap of faith, just a slow and steady determination to respond well to the call to love your neighbor literally. Even if their problems are messy and mundane and not the stuff of headlines or documentaries, even if they never soften to the gospel. It's good for our hearts to break for Africa, for Asia, for South America. It's good for seeds to be planted by passionate believers in the fertile soil, distant lands. But she finishes and says, but I pray that hearts might also break for the suburbs. And that God would raise up faithful men and women who will till the ground that is rocky and unforgiving. Believe in a harvest for a harvest that could only be reckoned as supernatural. That's what we're seeking, church. In the ho-hum, kind of dreary, dull, lifeless at times, life of suburbia where everybody's so caught up in themselves and their own kingdoms and their own domains and they're building their own things and they're clueless to their need for God or maybe they think that they have God and they have nothing like God. They've built their own kingdoms. That is the people that we want to reach. For some, that means staying where you are, being engaged in your suburb. For some of us, it might mean relocating close to the building. So we can say, you know what, we're going to be strategic. We're going to overwhelm these suburbs around us. For all of us, no matter where you're at, no matter what God calls you to, we want to use this as a base or as a launching pad to go and make disciples. I want you to be newly invigorated by seeing the depressing picture that's the suburbs around us and saying, God... Those people are living in darkness and you have brought us in the kingdom of your glorious son. May we be a people who shine your light. Looks like using a facility like this to train new disciples. It could mean having a Bible study here with other men and women get creative. It could mean serving on a team that 
that puts on Christianity Explored and uses this facility to put it on several times a year, whatever. We want to look to open it up, regularly invite unbelievers to learn about Jesus. Maybe God has put children on your heart and you want to head up or serve as in children's outreach. Don't, um, you know, don't come and say, hey, I think we should do this or that. Hey, say, if God's put it on your heart, maybe God's put that on your heart. Maybe, maybe he's given you a heart to, to reach the, the kids who are looking for relationships and what they don't know they need is a relationship with Jesus. You know, different ways, maybe use this facility to, to conduct some kind of children's outreach this summer. You know, I'm excited about the future and I'm in faith for what God has in store for, for us all. This building, it's a gift, it's been given to us for the glory of God and for his kingdom. You know, we are the church, not this building. We are the church. And the best carpenter ever, the creator of all, he, he is built and he's building us together for a dwelling place for God. You know, God doesn't reside in buildings of wood or siding or brick or mortar but church, we can confidently say God resides in us, the creator of all, the most beautiful one, the, the, the God of power and might and wonder and mercy, the God of loving kindness and grace and peace. He dwells within us and together, church, we are his dwelling place. And together we can manifest his multifaceted grace in a, in a variety of faces here. I don't ever want us to be about this building, but I do want us to be about the spiritual building that God is joining together. And may this house of worship be used to the fullest, but may we, may we always and ever use this, this place of worship to magnify and praise and draw attention to Jesus Christ and the kingdom he's brought us into. As we close, I really want all of us to ask ourselves, where, where would God use me? What's God calling me to? He's brought me into his kingdom. If you're a Christian, you can say he's brought me into his kingdom. Am I living for his kingdom? Does it show? How does it show? How can I live to honor him? How can I live for his kingdom? Maybe you are not sure if you're a Christian or not. Maybe you're not sure if you've been brought into God's kingdom. You can be sure. Speak to somebody else here who has a relationship with God about how, how how do I get to know Jesus? How do I place my faith in him? so that I can be a part of his glorious kingdom, not live for these dead-end kingdoms anymore. You know, I want us all to ask, okay, God, how, how do I need to change how we view our gatherings? What, God, Lord, give me your grace and your faith to not just coast, Lord, but give me faith for the suburbia around me. And then let's, let's see this as an opportunity to to serve God as he builds his kingdom through this church and the gifts he's given to us. Amen? Well, let's pray. As we pray, if all the band, go ahead and come up. And Joe, if you'll close with something wherever you are, if you're still around. Let's pray.